Thank you for listening to the teaching podcast of Muncie First Church. If you would like to know more about us, go to MuncieFirstChurch.com. Or if you would like to support a ministry, go to the giving page, MuncieFirstChurch.com slash give. Well, let's jump into the teaching from this last week. I know I say this a lot, and but I really do mean it, and I think that we can't ever take for granted what an amazing thing we have in our worship team. Yeah. <laughs> to have Nathan, and then for Nathan to be able to have Seth and, and have a backup like that is, it's not real common in churches. A lot of times you you know, uh, your, your help is sometimes somebody that you, you're not sure you want to let them just loose. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? We, we are very blessed. And so, but this morning we are starting a new series called Finally Philippian Summer, which is a little play on words. If you don't get it, I can't explain it to you. I'm sorry. Um, but we are, I don't know about you, but I, yesterday, Amen. I mean, the weather, the, the warmer. I, I told Allison like twice, I was like, I have so been waiting for this. It's like life has been given back to me now that it's warm outside. I'm so tired of rain. I think it's coming in about 20 minutes. It's going to rain, but I am so tired of rain. And, and, and we're, we're looking forward to summer and what summer has to offer. And so the idea behind this series is we're going to look at the book of Philippians. We, we do this every summer just about. We, we pick a book of the Bible and we just literally go through and study it. And this one's going to be a little bit different, at least for me, because I've never uh, done it in this way where basically my goal is to essentially go through and, and, and just read the passage of Scripture and really let the text kind of speak for itself, um, essentially teach itself. Um, and so we're going to do that. But this series is going to take us all the way into like the end of July. Um, so we have a guest speaker coming next week, and then Pastor Mark will be back, and, and, and we'll kind of just be in Philippians until uh, the end of July. And so if you want to read along with us, I encourage you to read it. it. It wouldn't take you very long. You could probably read it uh, once or twice a week uh, for the duration of the entire series. Uh, not that you want to read it that much, but maybe you do. Um, I'd encourage you to do that. Uh, but I want to start by sharing a little, little uh, story here. Um, growing up in my house, my, my house living with my dad and my stepmom, their house was a museum for unfinished projects. Uh, anybody care to admit that maybe that's true of you too? I, we, I, it didn't matter. We would start something, they, my dad would start a project and get about three quarters of the way halfway through and be like, yeah, they didn't have the rest of the materials at the store, or, or you know, so we got to wait, you know, or whatever. It was any, any reason that, you know, you could think of that would be to just kind of stop, stop halfway through, and I'm, I'm certain that it has driven my stepmom absolutely insane. Um, if, if she twitches now, it's probably because of dealing with him, um, but... My, I remember my parents remodeled our, uh, our house when I was early high school, I think, and I, I was so excited because I was going to get a new bedroom. I was going to have a, a bigger bedroom. I, I had a bedroom that was like the size of a closet, and <clears throat> I was like, I'm going to have a real room, and we got it done, and I don't think to this day that it has trim, light switch covers, or outlet covers. It's got paint, carpet, and that's about it. I mean, it, I, it, it was at least two years before my closet had a light. You know, you're, it's like I can't even see what I'm picking out in the closet. The closet was practically useless because it was just a tunnel of darkness. But, you know, that's, that happens, right? We, we do that. You know, last week, 
we kind of began our service talking about what it's like when we, you know, we don't finish things, we quit too early because they take too long. And, and, and this time I want to kind of reverse that and ask an opposite question. How does it feel when you finish a project? How does that feel? Good. Anything else? Just good? No, no, no. What did you say? Amazing. Yeah, that's kind of what I was looking for. Thank you. Appreciate it. It, it is wonderful, isn't it? I mean, you know, if you think about it, when you, when you work really hard and you, and you take something from, from start all the way to finish and, and you reach that finale, it's like it is a great, great moment. You know, we mentioned graduation. There are many among us in the room today that are, are getting ready to graduate. That is, that is an amazing feeling. It's a scary feeling, maybe for some going off to college or going off into the world thinking, what am I going to do with myself now? i got this degree I've got to pay for, and, you know, and, and that's a scary moment. But it's a great thing to be done. Maybe retirement for some of you, that moment of like, I just I had worked all those years and I finally reached retirement. Um, the wedding day, the end of the wedding day, you remember that moment you've like planned the men, you didn't do anything. You just waited for the end of the day. You know, you, you were waiting to be married. There was ulterior motives. But you, you, you plan and you plan and you plan and you reach the end of that day and it's like, oh, finally we're married. We're married. We've made it. Maybe for those of you who've played sports or do play sports still, the end of the sports season, end of football season, you're like, there's another season coming around, you know? You're like, oh man, now there's basketball season or now there's baseball season. But when you reach that end, it feels good. Or, or what about this? The week right before vacation. That's a beautiful moment, isn't it? I figured we'd get like applause and standing ovation for that. I mean, that is a great, great week, isn't it? You finish that last hour of work and you're like, I don't have to think about you and all this job and all these people that I don't want to see anymore for another week. And if you got a two-week vacation, it's even better, right? Or the yard work or the home repair or, or summer, yes. My kids have five days left of school, so they are, they are ready. But isn't there this true that you have this feeling of pride, this feeling of accomplishment, this feeling of, of peace that washes over you? When you work really hard and you reach the end, it can be intoxicating even. See, small victories can often serve as motivation to push us forward into more progress, into taking on bigger projects, and on into doing greater things. In fact, this very concept uh, is the key to many workout programs or, or weight loss strategies, is the idea that when we have small victories, it pushes on to doing bigger things or, or taking on more, or more stuff. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a strategy in addiction uh, programs and, and recovery programs that, that if we have small victories, in fact, they have proven by science that our minds are wired in such a way that it triggers uh, small victories or, or small rewards of success trigger in our minds a boost of morale, a boost of confidence, and, and an experience of uh, uh, driving us forward towards more and more progress and more and more success. Completing something small can serve as motivation to do something bigger. Now, all that to say, as we look at our text this morning, I believe what we are going to find is, is that God is doing a work in our lives that he wants to carry on to completion, that he wants to finish. He wants to take it to the end. He has a good work he's doing in your life and my life 
that he wants to see to the very end. But sadly, I think so often people, not just non-Christians, but Christians alike, we walk around through life and we go through life with this feeling of God just wants something from me. God just wants, some, wants something from me. And I know I've said this before, but I'm going to keep saying it because I think it's so important until, until we get it, is, is that God does not want something from us. He has something for us. He has something for us. He did, I think too many people believe that, well, he just wants my money. He, he wants me, you know, he wants my time. He wants me to go to church. He doesn't want me to do this and he doesn't want me to do that. He wants me to miss out on all the fun of life. He wants me to miss out on all that this world has to offer. And I think that is such a myth that has unfortunately gotten into, permeated into the culture of the church and just the culture of our world. And I think it hinders us. It hinders us in our relationship with Jesus. And I believe that it hinders us in our ability to reach those who are far from Jesus. And so here's kind of the bottom line. If you get nothing else, I think it was already up there. This is what I want you to get this morning is that God has a good work he wants to do in us. And for us. And I believe you could almost say it like this God has a good work He wants to do in us that is for us. That is for us. And so we're going to begin looking, if you would, if you haven't already, turn to Philippians. We'll be in Philippians for a long time. So, um, but this is uh, one of Paul's letters. It is believed that Paul wrote this letter. It's not really debated much on that, that Paul wrote it to the church at Philippi. And, and many say that he wrote this um, while in, in Roman house arrest, uh, under house arrest. I've always said that he wrote it in prison, but I, I think I was, I was misspeaking that he was under house arrest by Roman guards. And, and despite his circumstances, this letter that he writes to the Philippians is full of themes of, of unity and contentment in Christ and most of all just the theme of utter joy in what God is doing. And he writes this church to encourage them and his greetings are, are uplifting and inspirational and, and just so powerful. And so I believe that what God has for us as a church over the next eight weeks or really nine is going to be very powerful very inspirational and, and very uplifting and encouraging. So I hope you'll be here for, for the bulk of this series. Um, we begin right with verse 1. It says this, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now this is a pretty common beginning for Paul. He often writes this way and starts his letters in this manner. There's only a few exceptions maybe where he, he kind of differ, differs. But this is pretty, pretty typical. It's written in a letter format. And what's interesting is that he includes Timothy. Why would he include Timothy? Uh, was Timothy writing this with me or with him? And, and, and uh, what I come to find out is that he's, he's most likely just a bystander. He's just hanging out with Paul. He happened to be visiting him at the time. And Paul says, let's just include Timothy in this. So we're going to give greetings from both myself and Timothy. And he says this. He begins to comment on his prayers for the church. Verse 3 he says, I thank God, or I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you 
since I have you in my heart, and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Now, I want to kind of stop here for a moment and just spend a few minutes specifically looking at verse 6. Verse 6 is kind of the key verse for our time together today. Paul is writing and he explains to these people, to this church of Philippi, that God has a good work for them that he wants to complete. And I think we, whenever we read scripture, we always must read it in the context of what is the author saying to the original audience first? I think oftentimes we just pull it out and say, okay, what's God got to say to me? But we can't do it that way. We have to keep it in its context. And he's writing to a group of people that I think we could make the assumption that they are close. He, he, as he says, he longs for them. He cares for them. They were, they were his friends. And he's saying, God wants to do a work in you that he's going to carry on into completion. He's not going to leave it unfinished. So what, is, what does he mean? What is he talking about? I think first off, he's referring to their salvation. He's referring to their salvation and, and to the fact that God wants to see these people who, who maybe didn't know Jesus come to know Jesus and, and have relationship with him. And God is working in them. And, and I think that this is just as true for us all these years removed from when this was originally written, that God is working in us. And you can even say working on us. He is daily working to shape you and make you into the person that he wants you to be, to make you more like Jesus. I know two things to be true of the work that God is doing in you and me. Um, I can't say that I know a lot. Sometimes when I read scripture, I, I get a little confused and I'm like, I don't know if I fully understand this, but I believe this to be true, is that the work that God is doing in you is a good work. Charles Spurgeon put it this way. He says, it springs from good and it leads to good and so it is altogether good. So whatever God is doing in you, if he's, if he's trying to get you to become more forgiving, if he's trying to make you more loving, if he's trying to work on your life, as we've been talking about for the last three weeks, to make you more forgiving, if that's what God is doing, you can guarantee that it is good what is being done in your life. That he has something good planned for you. That if God tells you not to do something, teenagers in the room, if God lays it on your heart not to go to that place or, or hang out with those friends, it may seem like in the moment that is just somebody that they just don't, God just doesn't want me to have fun. It is good. It is altogether good. It comes from good, it leads to good, and it is altogether good. The second thing that I believe to be true about the work God wants to do in us is that it is ongoing. The work is ongoing. It is something that will not reach completion until Christ returns. I think the scripture is very clear on that. And so you and I, someone has probably said this about us before, but we are a work in progress. You ever feel like that? Like maybe you're just not quite there yet. You're a work in progress. That's okay. We can be confident in the fact that we haven't reached completion yet. We're not completely there yet. We're not perfect I love what one writer said it, said it this way. Nothing in this life or after death will prevent the successful accomplishment of God's good work in every Christian. So why is this significant? Well, for those of us in the room who say we have, we have surrendered our life to Jesus, we have a relationship with God, we can take comfort in the fact that God is in control. We can take comfort that God is in control. So what does that mean? Well, when you mess up, when I mess up, which happens a lot, we can take a little bit of comfort in knowing that we will fail, 
We will mess up. We will make a mess of things. God is still in control. He's still working things out in you. He's still making you into the person that he wants you to be. If you think about it like this, you're like a loading bar, like a status bar. We're still loading. We're still loading. Some of us, we've reached 50%. Some of us in the room, you're at 70%. And we're all blessed because you're that far along. Some of us are at 30%. That might be me. You know, Al's not here this morning. I can't pick on him. But there's some of us in the room. We're still struggling down at 30%. God's got a lot of work left to do in us. And that's okay. It's okay because God isn't done with you yet. He's not done with you. So if you're still struggling to forgive, if you're still struggling to be patient, if you're still struggling with confidence or self-esteem, or love, you know, loving people the way that you're supposed to, or, or, or maybe you lose it, you know, sometimes you can't keep it together with your kids, or you can't keep it together with your spouse, or maybe it's a struggle at work, or, or whatever it is, you, you just keep pressing on towards the completed work that God wants to do in you. Just keep moving forward. He isn't going to leave you unfinished like the light switch covers in my bedroom. You know, he's not going to leave you unfinished. He's, there's, God's never going to get to a point where he says, oh, you know what, that project has failed. I better just move on. I better just move on. He won't leave you unfinished. He, in fact, he wants to finish the good work that he's doing in your life. And I think, church, that should lift our spirits. That should lift us up. It should give us a, a sense of confidence to trust that when we mess things up, we know that it isn't the end. It isn't the end. God isn't done. There's never going to be a moment where he says, you know, Nathan, man, I've worked on him for years and he's just not listening. We're going to set him aside and find somebody new because he's just not, he's, he is literally my failed creation. He's never, I'm sorry, Nathan. <laughs> it's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. God wants to finish the work that he's doing in you. So we must keep on going and working towards that, that end. I, I honestly feel like I have struggled to put into words the intense significance of this particular passage. Because I think most of us would read Philippians chapter 1 and totally skip over this. This just seems too small, too insignificant, not important enough. But I really think there's, there's a, something great being said here. Is that God is... is not done with us and because of that we can give ourselves a little bit of room to grow a little bit of room to fail a little bit of room to to work things out to not always have it all together not to you know not to be able to always know how to handle every situation or know how everything should be done or to be perfect I think too often we, we beat ourselves up on this I think that we need to give ourselves room to experience the small victories in life that will push us forward into greater growth. Let me give you some small examples of, of what I'm thinking of just in, 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 that might be true in your life. Maybe for you, reading the Word and getting in the Bible is, is, is a challenge. I think there, there have been seasons of my life where it was easier and other times where it was harder, and it kind of just ebbs and flows. And, and I feel like, you know, when, when, it's, when we're out of practice of doing that or we haven't done it in a while, we always jump in like headfirst. I'm going to read all of the Bible in a year, and I'm going to start with Genesis, and I'm going to get to Leviticus, and they're going to start talking about goats and this other stuff, and we get real confused, and I just stop reading. Don't do that. 
Just maybe try to read two minutes a day somewhere in the Bible. Just two minutes. And then work towards five minutes. And then ten minutes. And maybe start in the New Testament. (laughs) Work something easy out first. And then work into the other parts. Or maybe it's in, in the area of prayer in your life. Maybe for you, you're like, I just don't know how to, I don't know how to start praying. I don't know how to get there. I, I, you know, I know, you know, so-and-so prays for like an hour every morning. Well, don't start at an hour because you're going to get in five minutes. You're going to be talking to yourself and not knowing what's going on. You'd be like, this is, I'm done. I'm going to go eat breakfast, you know. I mean, it's just not going to work. Maybe do two minutes and work towards five minutes and ten minutes, 20 minutes. And just wherever God leads you, allow that to work. Maybe, maybe for you, it's you've been working for three weeks now. We've been talking about forgiving people. And you're like, I need to forgive someone. Don't try to forgive them all at once. Maybe you've got like 15 people you need to forgive. Just start with one, you know, and pick the easiest one. You know, because if you get that victory, it's going to push you on into forgiving somebody else and then somebody else. And then you'll be like, well, I've forgiven all those 15 people. Now I need to work on somebody else, you know. I mean, it, it just pushes you forward. Maybe for you, it's, it's just being, being angrier or, or dealing with your anger. And, you know, like, uh, you know what? Just start at home. Start at working on being less angry at home. Don't start at work. That might not be a good idea. Just do it at home. You know, be, be less angry with your kids or less angry with your spouse. And then, and then when you get that victory, move on into work. You know, or maybe, maybe uh, you know, for you, it's gossiping. Maybe gossiping might be a good thing to start at work. You know, less of. Less of. Less less of. Not more of. Less of. Need to clarify. You know, maybe start not doing that at work and let it trickle into other areas of your life. Or, Or maybe it's just something else. Maybe it's... Let, just being more faithful or it could be a number of things let God do that progressive work in your life and let him start small don't don't try to do it all at once it may take some time see I think far too often we walk around defeated beat up we live beat down and beat up and we just say I'm just never gonna get it I'm never gonna I, I fail I make mistakes I'm never gonna be good enough it's amazing to me how many people but Christians as well that walk around with that identity of saying, I'm just never going to be good enough. Church, this is a place where the not good enough should feel, come, feel free to come and be and realize, hey, I'm just not good enough. I'm not perfect. I don't have it all together. I'm messed up. And you know what? That's okay. I'm going to fail. You're going to fail but God is still working on me. He's still growing me. He's still molding me. He's still shaping me into the person that he wants me to be. And I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. Now let's look at the last part of the text that I want to look at today, verses 9 through 11. I think this is probably the most beautiful part. It it really gets me almost every time. Paul begins to pray and he says this, and this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. So that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. To the glory and praise of God. See, Paul takes this moment to, to pray for the church at Philippi. And he's, he's praying basically that they would grow in their love. And this is not just a blind love. This is not just a, 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 a love for just God. But this is a love for everyone. 
This is love for, for God and for all people. And, and what I think is inter- interesting here is, is that he, he chose to, to say love because why, why didn't he say something else? Why didn't he say maybe in your peace or in your joy or something else? He chose love because love is the thing that, that drives our spiritual growth. It is when we execute that, we are able to begin to execute all other spiritual virtues. We are able to fulfill the fruit of the Spirit in our life, or or, or maybe I should say it this way. We can't fulfill the fruit of the Spirit in our life if we don't love. It is very difficult, dare I say impossible, to be a person of joy, a person of peace, patience, and kindness. And I will always forget one, so I'm not even going to try. But if you don't love, love activates that. It is the linchpin of all spiritual growth. In fact, I think that we could make this statement to say that if we don't love as Christians, we are not spiritually mature. We are not spiritually complete. And and, and maybe we are not in right standing with God at all. At all. We have to love first and foremost. And Paul says, I want you to grow in your love. I want your love to abound more and more. And I pray this so much for myself for this church, for my family, for my kids, for for the teens and the children in this church, that we would, our love would abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. One writer said it this way. He says, May our love be like a river, perpetually fed with the rain and fresh streams, so that it continues to swell and increase until it fills all its banks and floods the adjacent plains. May our love overflow out of us onto the banks of all those that are around us. All that we come in contact with. I, I used to do this sermon illustration, uh, and, and, I, and I, I don't do it anymore because it's like t- ten times more work than it is payoff. <clears throat> One time, I've done it twice this way, where we literally, we built in our youth room in Hartford City, we built like a shower, essentially, where water would rain down. And we didn't think about it. We did this in February. We didn't think about the fact that the water wasn't warm. So we bought a little heater pump thing and we tried to warm the water up and we, we tried our very, very best to get it above freezing, basically. And I'm doing the illustration. The illustration was essentially that God's love overflows in our lives and splashes onto those around us. And the idea was that the water was going to rain down on my head and then I was going to go and try to hug somebody and I would get them wet, essentially. Like, I, there's no way I couldn't get God's love on them if I hugged them. What I didn't think about was that the water was like barely above freezing and I'm sitting there trying to talk going, <gasps> and Jesus, and God, and I'm like dying, basically. But why we don't do that illustration no more but this it's solid it's solid it is a great illustration that when God's love fills our life in the way that Paul's talking about here there it is impossible for us to go out there and not get that on other people it overflows onto those around us so if God uh, if the work that God is doing in us and that Paul is writing about here was complete why would Paul take the time to pray for these people to grow? Why would he do it? Why would, well, it would be unnecessary for him to pray, press on towards the, the, the fruit of righteousness and, and to be pure and blameless. If it was already finished in us and in them, it would be unnecessary 
to say that. So what I'm saying is that I know this is true for, for me. I believe this probably is true for you. I'm not as forgiving as I should be. I'm not as loving as I should be. I'm not as gracious and generous and merciful and kind and joyful as I should be. And I bet if we were honest, we would probably say, yeah, I'm not either, right? No, just me? Okay. Well, where do we go from here then? I'll say it anyways. I'm not as good as I should be, and I am so glad that God's not done. I am so glad that God's not done. That He sees more in me than I see in myself. That He sees that I can become something greater than what I think I can become. And He chooses to use me, even though most of the time I feel like, God, why? I mean, if, if I'm honest, I wrestle with that a lot. God, why did you call me into ministry? I am not your guy. I, I think you, you meant somebody else. There was a different name that was close to mine, but it was different. You know, something else. And I just, I think you, 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 I don't know. But God just says, you know what, I'm, I'm just not done with you yet. So this morning... If you are on a scale of, of zero to ten, zero being no relationship with Jesus whatsoever. You, you're like, I don't have any relationship with Jesus. Ten being you're ready to enter heaven and Jesus has come back and you are now perfect. If you're on a scale of that, you're a three. Just know that God wants you to be a ten. It just may take a while. It may take a while. And in fact, Paul says it'll take until Jesus returns. And I don't know exactly the timeline. He didn't give me a date. So it's going to be a while. But here's the thing. Maybe right now what God wants to do in you is take you from a three to a four. Or maybe he wants to take you from a five to a six. He wants you to, to grow. He wants you to move forward. And I think that that should give us a little bit of confidence and a little bit of freedom in knowing that God knows we aren't perfect. He knows. We know you're not perfect too, by the way. Just in case. We all know it. We see you. You see me. We know. But let me challenge you with this thought. I believe that God's will for each one of us in here is to take whatever that next step is that moves us closer to Jesus. Whatever that is. For you, it might be to be more forgiving. It might be to be more loving or less angry or less prideful or more joyful. It could be a number of things. But I know that whatever it is, it is whatever next step that takes you closer to Jesus or moves you closer to being like Jesus. And so for you, if you are a three this morning, God wants you to be a four. If you're a seven, he wants you to be an eight. Whatever that is, take that next step. Take that next step. So this morning we're going to close and Nathan is just going to, he's, he has a song prepared for us and we'll stand together. You don't have to do it just yet, but we'll stand together. And if you want to sing along, feel free to do so. If you need to come and pray, feel free to, feel, feel free to do that as well. But know this, God wants to complete the work in you. He wants to complete the work in you and he wants to bring you closer to him. And he wants you to be more like his son, Jesus. And so whatever your next step is this morning, I encourage you, I pray that you would take that next step, whatever that is.
Maybe it's all the things we've mentioned or none of the things that we've mentioned. And there's something on your heart this morning that you know you need to make, you need to take that next step. So I encourage you to do so um, as we sing together, as we just worship and, and pray. Um, allow God to speak to your heart. Let's pray together. Jesus, we are so thankful for you. That we have found a home, we have found peace in you. Jesus, that you knock on the door, that we, 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 knock, we respond and you, or you answer the door, God, and that we are no longer an orphan. That we have a place in your kingdom. God, I pray that you would help us to realize the significance of the work that you want to do in our lives. And that when we realize we're just not quite there yet, that we wouldn't be beat up and that we wouldn't walk around feeling like, well, I'm just not good enough or I'm not perfect, but God, that we would find some comfort and peace in knowing that you're still working on us. You're still moving in our lives. Lord, help us as we go today into our work week this week or Whatever it is that we've got to do, God, to just to take that next step and be a little bit more like you, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen. Hey, thanks for being here, church. We hope you have a great week. We have a guest speaker next week, so join us back as we get together.